Alright, alright, good afternoon, Tuscaloosa and Internet World. This is the Joe Gaither Show right here on BamaCentral.com, part of the BamaCentral.com broadcasting networks. I'm Joe Gaither. You can follow me at Joe Gaither6 on the Twitter, YouTube, on the Facebook, Instagram, wherever you get your social medias. Of course, follow Bama Central for all of our great coverage. We've got Katie Windham, Austin Hannon, Blake Byler, Chris Walsh, everybody doing great coverage, covering all things Alabama, and it's been a busy week, even though we are in the offseason. Our guys are putting in great work. So visit BamaCentral.com to find out all of our coverage. Our man Austin Hammond had a one-on-one interview with the new Alabama baseball coach, Rob Vaughn. So you definitely want to check that out and find out what Rob Vaughn had to say about taking the job here in Tuscaloosa. But we've had a fun show here on the Joe Gaither Show this week. We spent Monday and Tuesday with you guys, the listener. Yesterday, we were joined by Amari Jefferson, class of 2024 wide receiver from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I want to thank Amari for his time. And if you missed that, you can go check that out on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, anything, anywhere you find your playbacks or on BamaCentral.com. Today, we're joined by a special guest, my friend Christian Miller. Christian Miller, former Alabama Crimson Tide football player, linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. You hear him now all on Crimson Tide Sports Network, doing all kinds of great work covering Alabama. And you can hear him on Tide 100.9 on the Miller's Edge from 11 to 12 with his father, Corey Miller. Christian, thank you so much for carving out some time. I think you just did an hour of content. How are you doing? How are you doing today, sir? I'm great, man. What's going on, Joe? Long time no see. Absolutely, absolutely. I like the setup. I I, I dig the setup. Is that what you guys have been doing uh, each and every day? Are y'all on YouTube as well? Yeah, so um, first and foremost, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. And uh, Yeah, man. So, yeah, we're we're focused on, uh, you know, our, our live show on Tide, which is uh, 11 a.m. Central Time, Tide 100.9. Um, and but we also do have the the YouTube channel set up where um, we don't really go as go live as much now that we we're on Tide. But um, I'm pumping out content uh, frequently on there. So cutting up interviews that we have on the show and then putting, you know, highlights from the show on there. But I think we might do like a little, you know, Miller's Edge extra on there at some point. But yeah, man. Um, if anybody's interested in checking us out, it's at the Miller's Edge on all social media platforms. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, even TikTok and YouTube. So uh, trying to do as much as we can. But uh, yeah, man, just excited to be on here with you. So I, I see you got new setup going. So yeah, I got, I got me a little mic and stuff at home too. That way, you know, if I need to do things like this or hop on YouTube. So I'm, I'm full on in the media game now. There you go. There you go. I need to upgrade my camera. I can't, somebody came came to me last week and said, Joe, we're going to get you a better camera. I said, all right, I'll work on that. I'll get that get that going. I'm not sure if it's going to help the face or anything, but uh, I'll, I, we're working on a, a great setup, and we're having a lot of fun on the new show. Man, dude, make sure you go follow Christian and Corey. They are doing great. I was uh, driving around earlier today. Y'all had Brad Crawford on uh, earlier yep. talking about schedules and all kinds of things. It's been oh. Uh, it may be the off season, but it's still very, very busy. I was told though to start this interview off by asking you about my friend, my old friend Jeff in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For people who don't know, uh, Christian and his father took over my time slot on Tide One Hundred Point Nine, and there was a frequent caller. He lives in Tennessee. He's a Kentucky fan, and he just likes to call in and poke bears, stir things up. That's all he tries to do. So you created that monster. Oh, no, 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 no. He called Jacob Harrison's show, the the 11 o'clock slot before me. Is it just that time slot, or does he call other shows? Yes, No, no, no. Mm. And he called Travis Ryer in the 11 o'clock time slot before before Jacob. No, it's just been, I I guess it's uh, 11.15. I got to call Tuscaloosa and let them know that, you know, they ain't bleep or anything. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing, man. And it, uh, our emphasis on, you know, having callers is what we pride ourselves on trying to get people involved. So we, we welcome it even with some of his very hot takes, but the only issue is again, it, and, and Julie, uh, Julian is saying it now, in the potty mouth, you can't cross the line. Right. And, and that's our biggest thing. And we don't have a problem with you disagreeing with us. That's, that's what makes the conversation. You know, you don't want a conversation filled with everybody saying yes, yes. Right. You want some disagreeing, but when you get a little disrespectful and start using some language, you shouldn't use it, you, you know, you're kind of crossing the line, but to answer your question, Joe, it, it's, it's been exciting. He definitely is everything you, you summed him up to be and more. Um, but Hey, you know, that's part of it. We have fun with it. And, uh, we just, you know, we're just glad to be on there with that platform. Well, I'm very glad that you are here. And I, and I know you guys are taking a, taking off on Tide 100.9. I, I get great. People text me all the time, man, that Corey and Christian, they're doing great. And I said, yes, yes, they are. And I'm very happy about that. Christian, Thank I you, thought man. about you. I thought about you this summer, a couple of weeks ago when some news hit, hit um, with Tony Mitchell. Tony Mitchell is is uh, basically I'm, I'm bringing you on here to talk all all things Alabama football. You already know that mm-hmm. we're telling the listener. Uh, Tony Mitchell, five star safety, uh, got himself into trouble over spring break. Uh, is, is a freshman and obviously is now what three years of probation and he's in trouble. He's in the coach Haven doghouse. But a couple of weeks ago, he, he he comes out on social media and basically he's speaking to a group and he's reading a letter, kind of apologizing and uh, and saying this is what I've learned. And this is what I'm going to go, to go do forward. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, I don't know if that's the best thing for him to be doing right now. And then I think, well, maybe I don't know. Maybe I maybe I don't know him. Maybe I don't know the situation, or maybe I don't know what he's been told to do by, by maybe uh, administration. So um, maybe educate me from that because I see Tony Mitchell, and I see okay, you've been arrested, you're on probation, you've obviously got a list of things to do to get yourself back into good, good graces. And I want him to do that, pulling for him to to you know learn, learn some lessons. Obviously, 18 years old, you don't want anything to ruin your life at that at that age. Um, right. But but what goes into hey, I'm going to take this step and go on social media and kind of let everybody know that I'm sorry for making this decision and embarrassing myself. Well, I think he's just trying to go out there and recover his public image, right? You know, obviously that was damaged along with a lot of other things, you know, when you when you make a decision like that. But first and foremost, I want to say, you know, life is about lessons. You know, sometimes you learn from other people. Sometimes you learn from the decisions that you make. Obviously, you'd prefer to learn from other people's mistakes. But unfortunately, sometimes you learn from your own uh, downfalls and mistakes. And that's okay. Um, Coach Saban is no foreigner uh, of second chances. Um Look, you know, he's going to, you know, receive his disciplinary penalty for, you know, his actions. And uh, he's been reinstated, which is, I think, is great. You're talking about a young guy that, you know, again, made a mistake. I know Coach Saban says there's no such uh, thing as, you know, wrong place, wrong time. And I understand that. But obviously, Coach Saban understands he's a young guy, a young man at the end of the day who made a mistake. And uh, Coach Saban would always say this. I mean, in terms of forgiveness and and second chances, um, what better position would a guy be in, right? What's the better position? A guy just made a mistake. Would it be him staying in the program, us offering him counseling services, putting him through something to help him better himself and learn, or just kick him out to the streets where he might continue to go down that path and make those mistakes. So I'm not surprised by the the, the, the decisions that were made, but to answer your question in terms of him going out there, I think it's him trying to get his name out there, let people hear from him personally, right? And almost kind of recover uh, himself and his public image because um, it's not necessarily the best start. Obviously, you know, you're just getting on campus. I mean, he should have been in high school at the time, you know, early enrollee. And unfortunately, um, you're in the news for being arrested. But again, 
Um, it's life. Things happen. The biggest, biggest thing, though, is that he needs to learn from this and move on. Um, but I'm not mad about him going out there and speaking on it and uh, trying to offer, you know, some some advice because to me that shows growth and maturity. I've heard nothing but great things about him since the situation, how hard he's been working to kind of get back to where he needs to be. But um, I, I think it's good, you know, kind of, you know, pouring back into young kids. I think he was speaking to kids, if I'm not mistaken. So that, I think that to me that's good. You, you turn uh, this unfortunate situation into a learning lesson for not only yourself but to others and pour into others and uh typically when you're an athlete at the program they do advise you normally to go through you know the media department guys like josh maxson before you you know speak to the media or do things however i don't think there's anything wrong with that if, if anything i think it's good that he was able to share a message to the youth that last point was what made me think oh i don't know if that's really in line with the alabama way the last point right. about uh, about going out there but i think i mean obviously his message was very positive and so it wasn't like hey you shouldn't say positive messages uh, his message yeah. was very positive and if you looked at um i want to go back to your point about being such a hard worker and kind of scared kind of on the right path since then mm-hmm. the the arrest video was a little bit damning i think it we kind of my, my first thought was oh my gosh he's scared straight he's he's like oh i didn't oh, yeah. expect to be here <laughs> right well yeah i mean because he probably didn't right and i think me and my dad were talking earlier on the show about how you know georgia has all these guys with all these citations and i was saying to me it reeks of entitlement it, it sounds as if there's been a culture that's brewed over there where guys are just feeling entitled and what happens when you're winning, especially in a small town, I was comparing, you know, Alabama's program is like a pro team. There's no pro team in Alabama. So especially when you're coming off of, you know, national championships, the community is praising you. Everybody's, you know, worshiping you. You know, they're, they're looking up to you as if you're Tom Brady or, or Patrick Mahomes, right? Because you're that type of image in Tuscaloosa or a place like Athens. And uh, that that's kind of where I feel like it is, you know, with some of these young guys nowadays, it's almost they're on a high horse because there's so much praise and you got NIL and all these things going on. And I just hope, you know, we kind of get these guys back grounded and understand, you know, life is life. You still have to make conscious and smart decisions um, because your future very well, you know, could be at risk with one bad decision. We've seen that. We've seen some very unfortunate circumstances. So I just hope that these guys are able to stay grounded and level-headed and make sure they're not getting too high on themselves and, and out there just being too reckless and foolish because, Again, yeah, you know, you might be in a great position now as a student athlete at a, at a prominent university, but that can be taken away from you very quickly if you're not smart. Absolutely. You bring up NIL, and I think that's where I want to go to next. Last week, Coach Saban was up in Washington asking for maybe some uh, some blanket bl- blanket uh, blanket unification of rules basically across the across the United States. What's been your? I mean. You would have crushed an NIL. We've talked about that before. You, you, you would have crushed it in college, uh, especially being a great speaker, being such a great, good-looking man and effective on the field. What's been your uh, opinion of NIL post-college now that, okay, you're not getting to take advantage of it, you missed that wave, but you are seeing you're, you're very close to a lot of guys who are, who are experiencing that right now? Well, I think Dion summed up my perspective perfectly and what I've been trying to say the whole time. Um, and I'll go back first. I did a presentation in grad school basically on student athletes receiving compensation. It, and it basically was more of an NIL model, not necessarily pay for play, but more so just allowing guys to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness after they have, they've established a reputation for themselves in the community, in their respective university. You know, they, they do great things on the field, but also off the field, right? If a company or business or brand wants to work with you because they see something in you, they, they like you as a representative, 
of their brand or their company, I think you should be able to do that. You should be able to sign autographs. I think that's fair. And that, that was what I was excited to see when NIL was first introduced. However, what Dion said, I think summed it up. It's NIL versus collective. NIL is not the problem. NIL is what I just described is, again, companies wanting to work with you for your name, image, and likeness for the things that you've done on the field, but also off the field, those relationships you've built and established. Collectives, though, is is really what's that that's where you're seeing these universities solicit guys to come here, right? That's why you're seeing guys jumping in the portal and whatnot, because these schools are able to to build these collective funds and they're trying to raise more and more. And, and it's, it, it, there's so much disparity because other states are able to offer more in their collectives. They're, they're allowing universities to take money, you know, from, from TV deals and media deals and pour that into these collectives. So, I don't like how there's disparity where, you know, schools in California might be able to offer a $75,000 collective fund annually versus, you know, Georgia and Alabama, they can only offer 35 or 40. Um, but in terms of just my overall perspective, I was talking to a guy, um, you know, that, that plays college football and uh, look, I, he was saying how he brings in a few grand a month, even a little more. And he was saying how um, he's like, man, you know, I just, I wish I can, uh, I can't wait till I'm able to even make even more. And that way I don't feel like I'm just kind of, you know, getting by. And I'm like, getting by. I'm like, dude, do you know how much I made my, my freshman year in 2014? When I lived in the dorm, $125 a month. I said, I drew, drove an F-150 with like a 5.3 or 5.7 liter motor, whatever it was, a 5.0. I can't remember what, type, what motor was in there, but in a lift kit on there. I said, $125 didn't even pay for my gas for the month. And you know what I mean? I was like, I was able to, you know, figure it out. And I was talking to somebody recently and I told him, look, I, like I was so smart with my money when I was here, we didn't even have NIL or anything like that, but I was able uh, to maximize my, my off-campus stipend, you know, spend as little as possible, you know, or the Pell grants, all those different things. And I was able to leave college with thousands of dollars saved up. So I'm like, you're telling me y'all make, you know, four five, six, seven thousand $7,000 a month. And y'all are just getting by. What are y'all spending it on? <laughs> Cause I'm like, if that was me, I probably would have walked away with six figures if I was here four years. Well, but, and in, in Tuscaloosa, I don't, I don't mean to be, you know, it's not a very expensive town. No, no, right. Exactly. Now maybe four or five thousand dollars is not a lot in California, New York, sure. sure. But Tuscaloosa, man, you know, yeah, you can move off campus, room with three other guys. You rent sixteen hundred dollars. Y'all each pay four hundred dollars a month for your room. You know what I mean? Like eat as much as you can at the dining halls. Yeah, you're going to have to eat out every now and then, but utilize it, you know, the snacks and the Gatorades that they have. That way you're not wasting a bunch at the grocery store. Anyway, I could go on a whole tangent about this just because I'm very, uh, that's how I am with my money. I'm, I'm a very business-minded person. But the moral of the story is this. I don't mind the NIL at all in terms of, again, you've established yourself. I'll give you an example. Bryce Young, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. Companies and brands are going to want to work with them. Now, unfortunately, there's only going to be a handful of guys on each of these teams that actually really are going to be making actual money from NIL. But it is what it is. If you want to make more money, play better or, you know, make a name for yourself. I just I don't I don't agree with them being able, uh, you know, to entice these guys to get in the portal. I mean, we were talking on the show earlier, you know, Colby Shelton. And again, I don't know. That breaks my heart. I don't know him personally. This is all speculation, but I'm just saying. You're talking about a freshman All-American who broke, you know, records, hitting home runs, I think 25 home runs this just this past season. As a freshman, you can't tell me 
there's there's not other schools enticing him or soliciting him to come to their program they're offering him some money i mean come on now because i know it happens in football so it has to be happening in baseball it happens in basketball it's the name of the game and that's that's just what i don't like to see i don't like seeing the amateurism coming uh being taken away from college athletics because that's basically what we're seeing when you have guys going into a portal for x amount of money that's free agency that's not college athletics how do you determine though how do you determine between okay christian you have played at alabama and already you know made a name for yourself and you're uh, you know has some status so here's your nil versus you brought up bryce young and he's a great example coming out of coming out of high school everybody who follows football knew who Bryce Young was, knew that, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this kid's going to be so good, blah, blah, blah. DJ Ungalay, the same sort of thing. These quarterbacks, these highly touted prospects already have some value at, at the high school level. So where, where do you delineate, okay, you can't get a collective involved to, hey, here's your $100,000 to come to my school, but you are already valuable of sorts. We're not recruiting you if you aren't valuable. What, how do you determine that line there? Well, if you have value, you have value. You know, I don't, again, I don't even necessarily think the university has to be in the middle of that, right? You know, I mean, like you just said, I mean, if you're a top ranked recruit, you're going to have eyes on you. You're going to have a brand already. But again, the percentage of that is small. I said on the show the other day, I think over a million kids play high school football, just shy of, of 100,000 actually get to play in college. Now, obviously, that's not even just on the Division One level, so that's even smaller. How many of those guys actually have true value come out of high school before they reach college? I mean, you mentioned Bryce Young, maybe the kid that just signed with Tennessee. I heard about him, the the Nico guy, the long hair, Arch Manning. Okay, so I, ten I, so guys I, in the class, maybe. Thank you. I that's what I said. I said I said maybe ten guys in a class. So I said if you take ten and divide that by ninety six thousand or whatever the number was that guys that go play college, it's literally like point zero 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 one. Right. So that means that that small amount of guys actually would have true value. Now, yeah, there'd be some guys like I was a top ranked player in South Carolina. I'm sure I would have had some value back in South Carolina to maybe do some deal with the dealership or what. I mean, yeah, sure. But the value that these guys are like demanding. And again, this is no disrespect to any of these services that have these value generators, but there's no way of really determining a true value because at the end of the day, they're just putting a, it's a, it's a system. You'll never know unless you really speak to these brands and businesses. But to answer your question in terms of, you know, how do you differentiate? I mean, look, there's nothing. I don't mean to say there's anything wrong with collectives. I'm all for helping compensate guys. But again, you just there needs to be parity. It doesn't need to be overblown because I just told you I was able to survive off of whatever I was given when I was in college. Right. And I'm not trying to, you know, be that old guy that's mad. I'm not at all. I want these guys to be compensated. However, when it just keeps raising and raising and then guys are going places for money, they're not even paying. Like, are you even worried about what degree you're going to get? Are you worried about the scheme that you're going to be in? Are you a good fit? Think about the 40-year decision. Do you want to be a part of that community for the rest of your life? Because when you go play for a team, you're a part of that brand, that community. That's why I wanted to come to Alabama. I wanted to be a part of that brand. I wanted to be a part of that community. It was a 40-year My dad used to tell me that when I was getting recruited. Son, this is not a four-year decision. It's a 40-year decision. Wherever you play college ball at, there's a good chance you end up being there frequently. You might end up settling down there, or at least that state. You know, your name will be there for a while. Your teammates, those bonds you create, that, like that's a 40-year decision. And I just feel like we're getting away with that with some of this. But I guess that's a long-winded way of saying, look, Joe, I, if guys have value, they have value. 
But there needs to be some legislation or control over this whole collective thing because at the end of the day, they're driving these collectives up. And let's just be honest. I mean, again, probably 80% of the guys aren't even worth what the collective's paying. It's more so than just being generous. Right. We're just going, just got to be honest. <laughs> they are. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, last question on NIL, and this is more a specific in uh, specific situation. EA Sports coming out with their new game, offering 500 bucks to for, to players to participate. You see mixed reviews. Our man Malachi Moore says, "Ain't no way I'm backing out. I'm getting my 500 dollars, and I'm getting in the game." Christian, yep. that's the move, right? Just give me my 500 Absolutely. bucks, take the picture, and get me in the game. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, hell, I'd, I'd let them put me in the game now for free. For all I care, I mean, dude, everybody grew up playing NCAA. I think it's better than Madden. And uh, they, I think they stopped it in like 2013. Mm-hmm. And I got to school in 2014. So I really was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so like the year I get here, y'all take it away. And I'm like, I would have done it for free. Because, again, if you go back, man, I think like guys do understand. Like things like that, like there's not really – cash value doesn't really matter. Like you grew up playing those games. You just want to be in a game. And, yeah, the, the game will capitalize. But $500 to me, that's a fair deal. You're in a video game. That increases your brand. You can tell people you're in a video game, companies you're in a video game. So, yeah, I'm Joe, I'm taking that $500. I'm being that game. I mean, I remember seeing myself on Madden for the first time. And I thought it was the coolest thing. I'm like, I'm finally on a video game without having to create myself. That's cool. Well, I mean, you think, you think back, what, NCAA 05, 06, 07? I mean, like, Vince Young was already Vince Young, but you, yep. the, like, the, 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 these brands just carry on. Oh, Taylor Mays played safety at USC. His character yep. on, on, on NCAA was, was insane. So, like, these guys, I just, I, in my opinion, they'd be very silly to pass up. Because you remember, they don't need you to make the game. They can make a linebacker yeah, 47. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. They'll just generate a guy like they, they started doing any or that they were doing anyway. So, yeah, I mean, dude, just take the $500 and, and, and be on a video game. I mean, again, with, especially with these collectives and other things, man, you got other money. Just take the money. Right, let's talk Bama football. Let's get back on the field real quick, and, and I really appreciate your time. We're talking to Christian Miller, former Alabama linebacker, Carolina Panthers linebacker. You hear him on Crimson Tide Sports Network and on the Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9 from 11 to 12 every weekday. Tell me about Kevin Steele. Kevin Steele comes in. Everybody's looking for a new replacement on Pete Golding. They all oh, Pete Golding, frat boy. You know, everybody you know has their opinions about Pete Golding. That aside, we're bringing in a new defensive coordinator, and people are talking discipline, people are talking uh, tackling, people are talking fundamentals. What have you seen, or what do you know about Kevin Steele? Are you excited about what he's going to bring to this 23 defense? Yeah, I am, man. I I got to know him really well when I was being recruited. Uh, He actually took over my recruitment after uh, Chris Rump, who was a former defense line coach here at Alabama. He had left. I think he actually left to go to Texas. Um, but he left. Kevin Steele took over. He's actually Kevin Steele is a South Carolina native. He's from Dillon, South Carolina. Um, so I got to know him well. Then I was with him in 2014. I was the outside linebackers, but he was inside linebackers coach. But I still was around him a good bit. And uh, here's what I'll tell you about him. You know, he's a, a hard nosed, old school football coach. Uh, you know, he emphasizes physical and aggressive, you know, units on defense. You know, so again, like you said, the fundamentals. You know, squaring up, tackling eyes up. Um, driving through contact, you know, again, things you hear from all coaches, but he's going to drill on those things, right? He He's not about trying to get too fancy or complicated. He really is going to, you know, take Coach Saban's defense and he's going to he's going to make sure guys are doing what they need to do in, in their respective roles. You know, dominating your box, you know, we used to say that a lot in terms of just focusing on the guy in front of you, not worrying about doing too much, just doing your job. And if everybody's just doing their job and you're doing it collectively and are on the same page with no mental errors, that will be successful. 
but a guy with a lot of SEC experience, he went to Auburn, you know, and if you look back, yeah, we were beating up on Auburn, but they had a really, you know, really strong defense, really, really impressive defense, especially when he was there. So, again, old school guy is going to emphasize that that physicality and violence, striking blockers, hat on a hat. Um, and so that, that, that's what you can probably expect out of him. I saw him uh, last week or the week before over at the football camps, and we got to catch up. But really nice guy, especially, you know, if you get to know him on a personal level. But when it comes to coaching, you know, he's going to he's going to jump you. He's going to be on you. But it's tough love, and uh, I actually think that's kind of what Alabama needs specifically on defense. Yeah, a lot of people have been complaining about uh, the defense over the last couple of years. Do you think that Alabama has experienced a dip in tackling uh, in tackling efficiency? Uh, tackling efficiency? I mean, I'd have to, I'll be honest. I'm more of a guy. I'd have to look sure. at numbers to this tell you. This is just a feel. But, I, yeah. Yeah, as a feel, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, look, in, in football, there's going to be missed tackles. I remember when I was there on some of the best defenses we had, you know, plenty of missed tackles, right? Uh, so I don't know if I can necessarily say just missed tackles. I think more so it's just playing with that that aggressive nature, really just playing in a dominant manner. That's what I want to kind of see come back, something that we grew accustomed to. I mean, I just look at the guys I played with in Jonathan Allen and, and Ashawn Robinson, Jaron Reed, Deron Payne. I mean, when I'm on the edge and those guys are next to me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I used to tell people, again, like when they tell you just do your job, you really only have to do your job. I didn't need to do anything else. All I needed to do was set the edge on third down, rush the passer, keep contained, don't get past the quarterback, just keep staying in my rush lanes, communicate the games we were working up front, and we would be successful. I'm trusting Reuben Foster and Sean Dion Hamilton and Reggie Ragland behind me that they're going to play sideline to sideline. If I need to close on a, on a, a puller on a counter, I'm going to get the ball kicked, and those guys are going to be able to make that tackle. I trust them 100%. I trust that if I can rush the passer and keep that quarterback confined, that my, my secondary can cover these guys for long enough for me to get a sack or I can force an air throw and then those guys come up with a bad at ball or interception. That's what I feel uh, is missing. It's just that camaraderie, that intensity, where, where guys really, again, we used to jump each other. We used to hold each other accountable. If you didn't run off the field, right, if you even, you know, walked the last two inches, you know, guys will tell you, nah, get back, get off, get back off the sideline and come back, do it again. And uh, that type of accountability was, you know, was unmatched. I, I didn't see that other places. Granted, I didn't play anywhere else, but just when we would play against other people, you didn't sense that. You didn't sense that type of intensity, that that accountability. And uh, it all boils down to, look, man, you, you want to make people scared to play you. And I feel like just now it, we've kind of lost that a little bit, that factor of, oh, when Bama comes on the field, the other team is already intimidated. We used to beat teams before we even the, the before the before the first snap, because we get off the bus and you can just sense the fear in other other guys. You could sense the intimidation, and so I think we just kind of got to get back to that. At least you know defensively, we really need to get back to that intensity. You know, striking guys, playing on the other line of scrimmage, doing your job, winning your box, and uh, playing for sixty minutes, finishing football games. Because if you look back, those two losses. You know, Tennessee and LSU were all last-second losses, right? Very well could have been wins. And there was a couple other games that, that were wins, but they were close. And so, again, playing with intensity, physicality, and violence, and finishing, playing 60 minutes in the game. Right, let's keep going on the defense real quick. You've lost Will Anderson, you've lost Henry Toa Toa, and you've lost Jordan Battle, three leaders at every level of the defense. What is it like to replace? Uh, what, what is it like going into a year to replace those those leaders? You're obviously getting you're having a, a Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner on the edge to kind of maybe step into the Will Anderson role. You see De yeah. De Deontay Lawson going to play inside linebacker, and you know Malachi Moore is experienced safety. What 
What does it mean, or how, how does a leader really kind of evolve or step forward from a defense when, okay, we have a, a leadership void, somebody has to step up? What goes into J- Jimmy's going to step up, Johnny's going to step up, Billy's going to step up and be the leader? What goes into that as a group? You just got to assert yourself. I mean, I stepped up into a leadership role my senior year, and, uh, you know, we had guys leaving the year prior, Rashawn Evans, Sean Dion Hamilton, um, you know, Anthony Averett. I mean, a ton of guys leaving, right? Um, but again, you just have to assert yourself and step up. You know, some guys lead differently. You know, I always had been more of a lead by example guy. You know, I'm more of a humble kind of, you know, even kill kind of guy. But what I learned was I needed to alter my leadership style. So I became more of a vocal leader because that's what the team needed. We, we needed more vocal leaders and I needed to step up. So how difficult I was, a guy. was that for you to, to change a little bit? Oh, it's tough just because it's, it's not something you're, def- you're necessarily naturally, you know, you know, again, I'm not naturally necessarily that vocal guy because I'm I'm more of a kind of like, you know, I'll pick you up, I'll support you, whatever, but I'm leading by example. I'm more of a, you know, I'll talk to you one-on-one. I'm with you. You need, any, you need anything from me, man. You know where to find me. I'm, I'm like that big brother type of leader. But, um, you know, but again, everybody's different. And uh, it, it, again, with our program, you need vocal guys. And I felt that that was lacking. And even though that wasn't necessarily me, I knew someone needed to step up, so I took it upon myself. We'd have play our players only meetings, which we've been doing for years. You know, we didn't have too many guys speaking. I look, I know I do media now, but I'll tell you right now, public speaking is something that is is tough for me. At least it used to be. Is I'm a lot better at it now. Not necessarily not better, but I'm a lot more comfortable doing it now. But back then, in, in school, when I was in college and stuff, you can ask anybody. You couldn't pay me to go give a presentation. I hate speaking in front of people. Hated it. But I had to do it because somebody had to step up. So you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I, I, I didn't necessarily want to, you know, jump on a guy's back. But I had to learn to just do it. Because, again, that might have been his style. Me leading by example wasn't doing it. It wasn't getting it done. So sometimes you have to, you have to step up in, in those roles. And that was something that I did and ultimately was voted a team captain. And I appreciate those guys voting me that. But, um, yeah, you just got to get be comfortable being uncomfortable. And at the, the, the bottom line is this, man. Guys are going to follow the guys that are doing the right thing and they're having success. So it also helps, you know, if, you know, you're a proven guy. And I'm not saying you can't lead if you're not. But obviously, you know what I mean? It's easier to follow guys that are, you know, having success. They're going out and doing it day in and day out because obviously they're doing something right. So you're going to want to be like them. So I think you need to have your, your best players able to step up into that role. And they might not be comfortable yelling at somebody or being a leader or holding somebody accountable. But you just have to do it because that's what's necessary in order to be successful. Christian, a lot of pundits, a lot of uh, preseason polls and everybody, you know, looking at the 2023 season has Alabama as kind of the outside looking in winning, winning a national championship. What, it's ranked seventh or eighth. And, and a lot of people have LSU, you know, leading the West and everything. Do you think that that's exactly where Nick Saban and the, and the Alabama team really likes it? Because, look, the last few years, oh, Alabama's going to be number one, Alabama national champs. I don't know. I think Alabama performs best when it's like, all right, y'all counting us out, watch what we do. How, how do you feel about that dynamic going into the year? Well, I'll be honest, man. Speaking for Coach Saban, I don't think he cares one way or another. I mean, I think in the back of his head, he probably feels disrespected. But just like you saw when he was on that cast in, uh, what's the guy's name, uh, from, from Georgia. David his Pollack. Name. Yeah, David Pollack kind of made that comment about Georgia being on top. Obviously, he wasn't going to publicly say something. Did it probably piss him off? Sure. But again, I, knowing Coach Saban, he truly focuses on himself and his team. He's not worried about pundits. I, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, he probably doesn't even see what we're seeing, just to be fair. 
So from his perspective, I don't think he cares one way or another. His primary focus is getting the best guys on the field that gives the team the best chance to be successful and win football games. Uh, as a team, we see that. We're younger. We have social media. And I remember seeing stuff. And you're right. You know, we did respond. I remember, you know, you know, Cochran used to do a good job of almost kind of feeding us that, you know, Coach Saban calls it rat poison. But we would see in the weight room, Co you know, Cochran, uh, Coach Cochran would you know, print you know, tweets out or like, you know, a, a quote from a guy from another team saying something that we were playing them. And so, yeah, you know, that does give you some motivation. But at the end of the day, I think what Alabama needs to do is basically take Coach Saban's approach. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, to me, after coming off of last year, you're not making the playoffs and having those, you know, those heartbreaking losses, that's all the motivation I need. If if if, if you need motivation from these, these pundits, these people in the media, even though I know I do it now, but I, I hate to say this, but these people that are just talking, then to me, then your priorities are messed up. Because to me, like if I was on that team last year, that's all the motivation I need. I don't need to read or see or hear anything else. Losing to Tennessee like that and and, and dealing with that and losing to LSU and then hearing Coach Kelly bragging about it, even though they got blown out by Georgia a couple weeks later, that's all the motivation I need, Joe. I'll be honest with you. I, like that, that's got me ready to roll. And I'm not even playing right now. I, I want it. I want that revenge for them. <laughs> you, you never had to feel. You, you never had to feel rushed on you, did you, in your college career? Oh uh, well, Auburn. Oh, kick six. Auburn. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. Well, so not even kick six. 2017. My first game back from tearing my biceps muscle. Uh, we lost to them at Auburn. They all kind of jumped. Now, luckily, I kind of was already. We. We were kind of making our way off the field, and for some reason, I think it took the fans almost longer for them to get out there because I don't really remember them all around me or really okay. too close to me. But so that would, you know, that that would probably be the only time because in 2014, when uh, Ole Miss swarmed the field and we lost on the road, I was redshirt. I didn't travel that game, and then when we lost in 2015, Ole Miss, we were at home, so obviously nobody was on the field then. That was um, one of the flukiest bleeping games ever. Oh, man. They, they, they always used to get so lucky. And that's why I'm kind of hurt that they're not on the schedule for 24. I, I was saying, in Ole Miss and Mississippi State, I didn't realize how, you know, significant or meaningful those games felt until I saw them not on the schedule. But, um, you know, it is what it is. I am excited, though. I, I hate that, you know, I love that South Carolina's coming to Tuscaloosa because, you know, that, that was the hometown team growing up. But I hate I never got to play them. Then, of course, you know, Alabama went to Carolina in 2019. Dude. I would have traded so much to be able to play in that game. If I could have gone to williams Bryce Stadium and shut those fans up. <laughs> would, oh, Sandstorm going crazy. Oh, it's uh, a great environment. I say, yeah, Sandstorm is – hey, look, man, it's fun. But I just would – man, dude, like I'm, I'm like born and raised from that area. So I'm talking about everybody I know would have been there. God, that would have been but, – but I'm saying that to say I, I am happy to see, you know, there there is more variety with the scheduling now, but – it does kind of hurt seeing, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss not on there, seeing, you know, Auburn LSU games not scheduled, or Carolina, Georgia. Just feels a little feels a little new. But like everything else, I think it's one of those things we're going to gripe about right now. Then as we get accustomed to it, we'll just kind of forget about the other stuff. Well, I, th I think we'll enjoy it down the road once you realize, oh, our player is getting to go to South Carolina, and South Carolina's coming back here, and we're going to Mississippi State, we're going to Ole Miss, seeing all the venues. It's not right that you played here and didn't get to go to South Carolina, didn't get to play them. It's the, I mean, I've got you oh, from – Oh, no, that was, that was foul, from, man. From 14 to – from 14 Eight, to, to 18, 18. and, and yep, didn't five even – Five years. Five years ne and I never, don't play them? Ne never snipped right. a Carolina helmet, man. Nope. Not even close. That's that, I don't know how that didn't happen. That's a failure man, on the part of the SEC. 
Yeah. So, uh, so in, in that regard, and I know I totally segued in this, but in that That's regard, man, I'm, I'm so happy to see the variety of these, these scheduled games, but it does feel a little weird. But like I said, it's some of those things we're going to get used to. But in my opinion, I feel like this, this proves that you almost have to go to a nine game schedule. You don't have to, but I feel like you're going to need to go to a nine game schedule to be able to squeeze in all these good matchups. Cause now you look at the, the team the SEC was already the greatest conference with the greatest teams, but then you bring in uh, the addition of Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, there's so many great teams with such rich history, right? I mean, it's fun. Like you said, I think at the end of the day, the fans win. Like you said, these venues, man, this is exciting. You know, Texas coming, you know, Texas coming here and they're not, it's not even the 24 schedule yet. So that, that I'm excited for that. That's going to be a, a common thing, a frequent thing with them now. You know, Oklahoma, really exciting, man. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, makes me even more proud to, to say I played in the SEC because it, it just goes to show we're, we're clearly the most dominant conference out there. Absolutely. I got two more questions for you, and we're going to go to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I want to know, uh, let's go Bryce Young first, and then we'll do, do the Alabama quarterbacks. Bryce Young is drafted to your Carolina Panthers. You spent some yeah. years with the, with the Panthers. How do we, th- I mean, they got rid of DJ Moore to my Bears, thank you, but how do you think Bryce Young is going to assimilate to the pro game with maybe not as, needs more weapons in, in Carolina? How do you think he's going to perform uh, over there in Carolina? Yeah, we talked about this uh, on our show the other day, and I posted a clip. So if you want to hear that on our YouTube, it's at the Miller's Edge. Just uh, I kind of broke that down. So this is, I'm glad you asked this. Look, Bryce needs to be Bryce, right? That's all he needs to do. And uh, we've seen Carolina; they've they've been investing in their offensive line. Finally, something that they kind of put off for quite a while. They've finally done that. They've gone out. They've gotten a couple veteran receivers and. Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, you know, you drafted Jonathan Mingo in the second round. So that they're investing in Bryce. They're giving him the weapons, they're giving him the protection. All he needs to go in there and do is be his, be himself. Be that poised, confident, calm, cool, collected guy that he is. Make the throws that he needs to make. Don't make mistakes. And then when you have to, make plays, which we've seen him do day in and day out here at Alabama. That's who he is. He's that Houdini-like player, that Steph Curry-esque facilitator with the football. He's going to get his guys the rock he's going to you know feed him he's going to protect the football but he's going to most importantly make plays when his best is needed and so i think he's going to uh transition just fine again people have to be realistic though i mean this is the nfl i don't necessarily see him going out there and just tearing it up and having a heisman-esque you know first season because again i mean transition to the nfl at any position is tough but the quarterback position is definitely difficult but i don't think there's any other guy out there more prepared for that transition at the quarterback position than him. You're talking about a guy who eats, sleeps, and breathes football. All he wants to do is be the greatest football player that he can be. He's a great leader for his great energy. And uh, I'm hearing a lot of stuff from the guys on that team just talking about that aura that he brings to the locker room on the field. It's like that that humble type of swagger where, you know, he's not saying much, but his body language and his expressions are. You know, he's making the throws, and, you know, you can just tell. He's, he's feeling it, but he doesn't need to say too much. And uh, I think that's exactly what they needed in Carolina. They needed a quarterback. Christian, I think I just lost your audio. Oh, what a bummer. No, I can't hear you. Oh, man, what a bummer. What a fail. Let's see. Two, three, four. No. All right, well, 
Uh, we're not going to sit here and waste Christian Miller's time. I really appreciate your time today, Christian. You were freaking awesome, and I, and I really appreciate everything that you gave to the listeners today. Uh, go out and follow the, the Miller's Edge. Listen to, to, Corey, to Corey and Christian Miller. You can find them every single day on Tide 100.9 uh, at, from 11 to 12, 11 to 12 a.m., you can follow Christian Miller at Christian M A L L R M I L L R on the Twitter machine. Christian was so grateful to, to uh, so gracious to give us his time today talking Alabama defense, talking Nick Saban. Oh, he's coming to try again. Let's see. No, it's okay. I can't hear you. It's all right. Oh, it's all right. I appreciate your time. Go follow Christian Miller at Christian M-I-L-L-R on the Twitter machine, and you can find him uh, on the Miller's Edge each and every weekday on Tide 100.9. I appreciate Christian Miller. Let's go and finish the show uh, with just a little bit of, of topics on the SEC schedule. Christian basically set up how he likes a lot of the uh, the, the mix-ups, and we... we did an instant analysis last night on BamaCentral.com, and I think it's awesome. I am really looking forward to the schedule. Now, yes, Christian Outlines were not going to have Mississippi State or Ole Miss this year. Oh, my gosh. First time since 1947 that you're not going to have Mississippi State on the schedule. That is going to be very strange. It'll be strange to not have Ole Miss, but in order to rotate the schedule through, you got to get rid of some. So Alabama removes Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas from its schedule. Not Alabama, the SEC. On behalf of Alabama, and so you bring, you're playing. Look, our traditional rivals. You got to play Auburn. You got to play Tennessee, and you're playing LSU. Great schedule. I look, you Alabama fans may be looking at this schedule and say, "Oh my gosh, I see five losses. I see three losses. I see who cares? I see competition. I see entertainment. I see twelve great games. Well, eleven great games. Sorry, Western Kentucky. I see eleven great college football games on the schedule." I cannot wait to go to Wisconsin. I cannot wait to have South Florida come into Bryant-Denny Stadium. And then you're going to give me this schedule uh, as an SEC schedule. We get to go to Oklahoma to play a, a league game. It'll be our first time going to Tennessee and LSU uh, after losing last season. You get to go avenge those losses. I think the SEC did a fabulous job uh, orchestrating a very difficult task. Essentially, what you heard last night from the social media sides of all 16 corners of the SEC was, oh my gosh, we got the unfair deal. It was unfair for us. Our schedule's too hard. Look, if you heard that 16 times, don't you think the SEC did a good job? Because Alabama, the Alabama fans are saying, you gave us Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn, and Georgia, and Oklahoma. How unfair. All right, all right. Well, you go over to Georgia's side. They got... Tennessee, Florida, Alabama, and Texas? Come on now. Come on now. That's not fair. Oh, so tough. Poor to, for Georgia. Oh, what about Tennessee? Were they easy on Tennessee? No. They get Alabama. They get Georgia. They get Oklahoma. Come on now. And the annual rivalry game with Florida. Come on. SEC didn't know one any favors last night for 2024. And because they didn't know one any favors, they did you a favor. The fan. They gave you a favor by saying, here is a... An SEC slate where you're going to have loaded games every single week. Marquee matchups every single week. And so I really, really cannot wait uh, for 2024. I don't want to get ahead of us. So to, to 2023 is going to be a lot of fun. I do think that the Alabama football team in 2023 is, I, honestly, talking about it with Christian, I think that because they've been slighted, because they've been 
uh, underappreciated by, by the national media this summer. I think that the the work ethic, the 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 work ethic, the energy in the program is at, at an all time is really at an all time high. And I think Alabama is going to come out and, and perform very well in 2023. I'm excited about Kevin Steele. I'm excited about him his, his fundamentals returning to the Alabama defense. Um, I don't think that Pete was inherently bad schematically, but I think that. There was a lack of attention to detail under Pete Golding. And and I think you're going to get that attention to detail returning with Kevin Steele. So I really appreciate uh, Christian Miller joining me on the program today. It stinks that we had a little audio issue there at the very end. That's no big deal. That's going to happen sometimes. Uh, we appreciate him. We're going to have him, you know, th- throughout the, our time doing this show. I love him. I, ho- uh, I hope he enjoys coming on here. We'll have him every few weeks or so. Uh, reaching out to Christian for expertise on Alabama football. Uh, tomorrow on the show, I want to tell you... I think I'm going to reach out to Nick Kelly. I'm going to reach out to Nick Kelly or Will Miller. We will have a guest tomorrow. I don't quite know who it's going to be yet. Still 23 hours away from uh, from tomorrow's broadcast. But, look, stay safe out there. Lots of bad weather in the Tuscaloosa, West Alabama area over the last two days. Stay safe out there. I really appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. If you miss any of our episodes, you can watch us on YouTube. You can watch us on Twitter, on Facebook. Find me at Joe Gaither 6 uh, obviously, you can listen to us on Spotify and Apple Music, and we want you to click and read our, our material on BamaCentral.com. We appreciate BamaCentral.com putting us on each and every day. Follow Chris Walsh. That's our boss at Riding Walsh. He is the man uh, running everything for Bama Central. I appreciate him putting me on each and every day. Follow myself at Joe Gaither 6 You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, any place that you find the show. It's at Joe Gaither 6 and then, of course, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Music, The Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central. Let's encourage you to listen to the other two Bama Central, Bama Central podcasts, All Things Bama and Blue Collar Unplugged. Our friend Matthew Gibson and Blake Byler giving you all kinds of Alabama basketball coverage here coming up soon on Blue Collar Unplugged. So, for you, the listener, I thank everybody who sat around and watched us, uh, watched us hang out with Christian Miller. There was a handful of you guys up in the corner. I appreciate that. And you guys listened to us on Playback. I'm Joe Gaither. It was a great Thursday. I hope you guys have a great day. We will be back for the Friday edition of the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com tomorrow at 1 p.m.